Thank you guys so much. I'm so honored to be here. I just love, I, I think, listen, I'm, I, I pastor in Texas, but all my friends are in Louisiana. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, y'all are fun, man. I've eaten my body weight in crawfish. Like, I got all that salt, man. I'm about, I'm twice the size I usually am right now. Just, just water weight, man. It's, it's great. We've had such a great time. You know, as, I, as I've spent time, um, as I spent time with Pastor Bubba and, and Miss Tracy and Pastor Josh and Lindsay, they've been such an encouragement to me. You know, I was saying earlier, I walk through these doors and there's something special you can feel in the atmosphere. And, and you know, when you, but when you draw a line back to it, it always comes, every time you want to see what God is doing in a spiritual family, in a local church, you want to see the potential it has moving forward, just look at the leaders that God gives it. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm going to tell you, listen, I, I see them outside of their Sunday best. What you see here is the same thing there. That's called integrity, by the way. Give it up to your leaders, man. Aren't they great? Man. It's such an encouraging thing. I, I always act like, man, I come in and I, I just, I feel like I'm at home. Pastor Bubba was just with us not too long ago and he said the same thing. He's like, man, it just feels like the same. And I'll just tell you, uh, they made this happen first. We've been a little over six years. We're in our sixth year as a church and we have learned so much from, from Pastor Bubba, uh, Miss Tracy, me and uh, Pastor Josh and Lindsay. Man, I'm just telling you, they're, they're such a blessing to us. And so I just, I, you know, I will say this. Uh, you also though, you have to be open and willing to be used by God as well. You know, God has leaders, but you know, at some, people, at some point, you got to kind of come around them and help this happen as well. So will you give it up for yourself too? Come on, you guys are a great church. I mean that. Super excited to be here. Uh, such an encouragement. But I, I want to introduce the best part of my story. Uh, it's my family. We got a picture here, family picture. Yeah, it's great. Oh, you know what? It, we almost killed each other getting this picture. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that ain't real life, but I mean, it looks good, don't it? But anyway, so... This is my wife of 15, it'll be 15 years uh, this, this year in June, uh, Kyla. Kyla is a major in the United States Army. Uh, she, yeah, I know, right? Listen, listen, people love her and so they like me, okay? She, she's also a family medicine doctor. She's practicing hospital medicine right now at the hospital there. Yeah, so she is like, I'm just telling you, here's the deal. I, as a guy, you know, sometimes we can get insecure, let's be honest, I mean, we get around powerful, strong, gifted women. Sometimes, ladies, we can be a little insecure. And I had one of these moments early on. My wife hadn't quite made major yet, and I was, uh, she was a captain still, and she comes in you know, from work, and she's wearing a little outfit. You know, you see the outfits? They're called ACUs. I like calling them an outfit. <laughs> she looks and makes them mad. It's funny. But, it, but literally, it, it, it looks like she's like a G.I. Joe, like a Barbie in a G.I. Joe outfit. You know, she's coming in powerful looking. And I stopped. I, it was a low point. I'm being honest. It was a low point. I was insecure. I stopped her at the threshold from the garage, and I said, listen, honey. Listen, you might be the captain at work, okay? But I said, I said, you cross this threshold. This is cap- I'm the captain of my house. That's what I said. And if you've ever met Kai, she's right here with me. You meet, meet her before after church. She's great. But, uh, but she's, so, she's so precious, man. She's just nice and build me up. And yeah, honey, you know, you're powerful. You're great. You know, blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, I am. You know? I, as I turn, she kind of just goes, hey, did you pick up the groceries? I said, yes, ma'am. They're in the fridge. Come on, somebody. <laughs> No, man. She's, a, she's one of the best parts. I'm telling you. Uh, right here, we also have our oldest daughter, Adeline. Uh, Adeline there. This is Breelin, our three and a half, almost four-year-old who's stuck in the terrible twos. Anybody have one of those? She's just stuck. She's jammed, jammed stuck there. She likes to see the reflection of fire in her eyes. Incidentally, she sets a lot of stuff on fire. And, and this, is our, this is our youngest, uh, Grayson Kyle. He turned one November 7th. Um, and man, he is just precious. If we, if he was first, we'd have 14 kids. I'm just telling you, he just, he just, he's, he's a precious, precious part of our family. 
And you know, while we're, while we're kind of being honest, I was vulnerable with you, you know, y'all can handle that, right? We're family. So, so I, am, I am terrified of one thing. There is one thing that is a reoccurring fear in my life. As you can see, uh, my girls take after their mother. They're very beautiful. And I'm just terrified of the time when teenage boys are going to start noticing my daughters, you know? Anybody in here kind of like, I mean, you be honest. You're going to be tough, right? Pastor Bubba taught me something. He said, listen, you're going to have all kinds of feelings. He's got a beautiful daughter. You know, all kinds of feelings, you know, are going to well up. Here's the, here's the key. Don't you ever let that teenage boy see you sweat. Come on. <laughs> ever. You fake it, baby. Come on. You, you put on a good show. And, uh, and you know, he, he, I'm a, he's just been such an encouragement to me. I want, I want to practice. You know, they're young right now. They get more and more beautiful every year. And so every chance I get, I, I just like to kind of practice because I want to be ready for that moment. I believe that you don't rise to the occasion. I believe you fail to the level of your preparation. Come on. And so I'm going to practice. I'm, I just am. It's a little selfish. I'm going to practice. So I was Googling uh, everything, uh, a few things that every good father says uh, to their teenage daughter's boyfriend. Maybe this will help some of y'all in here. You're, you're a little fearful too. Uh, one, of, one is this. Uh, Son, nothing makes me happier than seeing a smile on my daughter's face and fear in your eyes. Come on, somebody. I'm practicing the whole thing. I'm not quite got it, but I'm getting more powerful. How about this? Yes, I do have a beautiful daughter, but I also have a gun, a shovel, and an alibi. About this, you do you do some you you do some crazy stuff for your pastor, right? Anyways, what about this, son? I love Jesus. I love being a pastor, but believe me when I say I'm not scared of prison. I said, listen, I can pastor people on the inside or the outside. <laughs> Finally, we're gonna get to church. I promise. Hang on, one more, one more. Finally, as the young man's walking at the door, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss him a 12 gauge shotgun shell and assure him if my daughter's not back by curfew, the next one's coming a lot faster. Come on, somebody, that's good. <laughs> that's funny. If you don't think that's funny, you don't think that belongs in church, go somewhere else. I don't know what to tell you. I, I love. Don't you love being around happy people? Man, I'm gonna tell you. One of the I, I heard a friend that I, I do a lot of. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time with. Kind of coaches me and. And keeps me accountable. How many of you guys have people in your life to keep you accountable? And he tells me one of the most important things you need to do is, is guard your spirit. Make sure that you're happy. Like you choose to be happy. I think sometimes we think our circumstances push on us. You know, you can choose every day to say, you know what, I'm going to see, listen, I'm going to see the glass half full and the, bright, and the future bright. That's, that, that's what you want to see in your life. And so today my message, I really believe God's put something on my heart that will bless you. Uh, I, I taught this message. This has only been taught to our church one time. Uh, it was such a, such a high feedback. I thought it would bless you as well. And so if you're taking notes, I know you got some notes. Um, pull these out. These are awesome. Fill in the blanks. There's something about taking, it, taking notes. Did you know a, a recent Princeton study said that you're several times more likely to remember something even if you write it down and then you like throw these out on the way out. But you guys got a nice binder, so you can actually save them and reference them. But it, it, it's a good discipline. I want to encourage you, you know, t- put your phone down. Ain't no swiping left. Just come on, take some notes with us. All right. So, so, so here's my message. Here's the title, How to Fail Forward. How to Fail Forward. Some of you are going, wait a minute. Failure sounds backwards. What does that mean, Pastor? Fail forward. That almost sounds like an oxymoron. I assure you it's not. How many of you, by a show of hands, you want God to do something big in your life this year? Like, you want something more this year than last year. I think sometimes we can feel guilty like wanting more. Did you know that your desire for more when it comes from a right, healthy place is actually put there by God? Your desire to improve, your desire to get better, that's not just a January New Year's resolution thing. That's like, that's a life walking with God thing. The Bible says that God takes you from glory to glory to glory, that it actually gets better. He says that the world of the generous actually gets bigger. Does that make sense? And so I, I, believe, that, I believe that's a good, good thing. 
However, when you look at how to get there, you'll notice there's really two ways. There's two opposite and opposing ways. There's the world's way to get there, and then there's God's way to get there. And here's what's going to happen. I know this is true because, again, another question. How many of you last year had something happen to you that you didn't expect? Maybe it was a little negative. Maybe somebody got a little too much of an attitude at the dinner table over the holidays. I mean, maybe something happened. Maybe it was a sickness. Maybe it was more serious than that. Maybe it was something like a big deal. Maybe some, a relationship blew up you, man, you thought you were going to go with forever. Maybe there was a situation with your kids. Maybe there's a situation in your marriage. Maybe there was something that happened that you didn't expect. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Your greatest potential, your greatest momentum forward, God uses our failures to fuel that. And I know that sounds opposite, but in the Bible, it says that you actually lose to gain. The Bible says that in order to gain your life, you lose your life. There's something about surrender that's totally different than what the world says. The world says, get yours, man. Take a shortcut. I mean, y'all know. Take a shortcut. You can't take a shortcut here. You'll get eaten by the alligator. <laughs> Y'all's ditches, those aren't ditches, man. Those are rivers where I'm from. <laughs> like, ditches, good night. No, no wonder they feed y'all so good. You know, those ditches, I'm like, dang. But you can't take shortcuts. You know, a lot of times we focus on the God of the miraculous, and I, love, I, believe, he's, I believe he is. I believe God, matter of fact, God's worked miraculously in my own life. I've seen miracles. I've seen all kinds of things that were hopeless turn around with this big miracle. But I think we, sometimes we neglect to remember that the God of the miraculous is also the God of the natural. That he also, he, yes, he does miracles, but you know what? He also works in the natural in this thing called seed time and harvest. Did you know that how you work through failure in your life is a great indicator of how high God will take you. Many of us, we pray, God miraculously moved the mountain, but Jesus takes our hands and says, you know what? My grace is sufficient. I'll walk it with you. And it's as he's walking it with us, right? Those mountains actually become a beacon of great light. That's how God will use them if we won't give up. Jesus says it this way in John 16, He says, I've told you all this. I've been talking about this for a while, y'all. Why? So that you'll have peace in me. Why? Because in this world, you will have trouble. I'm gonna say trouble. Man, you'll have trouble outside that door. Some trouble this year. Some of y'all, you're like, man, I think I got trouble sitting next to me. Just keep looking forward. All right, you're going to make more trouble. All right. Look what he says, though. Look what he says. But don't keep your eyes on all that. Take heart because I've actually overcome the world. You're thinking, geez, Pastor January, can't we be more positive? You know, can't we just have one of those? There's a champion in you. Come on. You just, you know, there's a good God in you. There's a good God working in and through you, even in your pain. What if I told you the greatest key to your success this year and every year lie in how you deal with failure? I actually don't have a seminary degree or a degree in pastoring. I kind of learned that along the way, but I do have a degree in history. I love studying history, and, and we all know this. If you've ever studied history, you can see cycles in history. We like to say history always what? Every single time. Solomon says this when he's, you know, he had everything he ever wanted, you know, all the wisdom in the world. And at the end of it, he's just like, man, there ain't nothing new. There ain't nothing fresh, right? There ain't nothing new. It's just, it's like nothing new under the sun. Meaning what was he saying? He's like, things just kind of repeat. You'll see cycles kind of repeat through your life. As I studied history, a pastor told me this years ago, he said, Stephen, the best experience, like you can live by your own experience, but the best experience is someone else's. Do you know that's what the Bible is all about? the experience of other people. I think sometimes we read this wrong and it can discourage us. Sometimes we read about great men and women of faith who like did incredible wonders. We read about a, a shepherd boy that slay a giant. You know, we read about, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, killing like all these people with jawbones of a donkey. Come on, somebody's powerful. We, it almost looks like, it almost reads like a Marvel comic sometimes if you, if you don't have the right perspective. 
And yet you do realize none of them knew how their story would end. We get, the, we, get, we get the benefit of hindsight. We get the benefit of reading their stories for faith, but as they were walking up upon it, it was just faith, man. They were walking their life just like you walk your life. And when you read it deeper and you actually see some of the boneheaded decisions they made and some of the things they did, it actually reads more like a reality show than a Marvel comic. And that's the power of the Bible. God puts those stories in there for us. It's pretty interesting when you read it. You don't see a book full of perfect people. There's only really one hero in the Bible. It's God. Did you know there's only one hero in your life with the power to overcome what's coming at you this year? You know who it is? It's God. There's only one hero. I think sometimes we make too much, right? Too much of our strength and not enough of his. Think about it for just a moment. Some of y'all, you came in here with some hopelessness. You came in here with some things that you've been working on and year after year, maybe you've even given up on resolutions. You know, you're just like, I ain't even gonna resolute that. (laughs) I don't even think I'm gonna go there because I've done it every other year and nothing seemed to work. Maybe you've got some hopelessness in the area of a relationship, some hopelessness in the area of, of finances or wherever you find yourself, you're just kind of like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know how to move forward. You know, when you read the pages of scripture, you're not alone. Let me help you make you feel a little better. I'm gonna read some things and I think it'll help you. Did you know that Noah drank too much? He was a drunk. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham was a liar and at times a coward. David had an affair with his best friend's wife and then killed him to cover it up. Gideon was a coward. Samson chose all the wrong girls. Jonah ran from God, outright disobedient. Martha was a warrior. The disciples, every one of them abandoned Jesus in his greatest time of need. The Samaritan woman found love in all the wrong places. Elijah was suicidal at times. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was responsible for murder of early, of early believers. Y'all feel better, don't you? Take a deep breath. It ain't that bad. Didn't it, didn't it feel good kind of reading about somebody else's failure? Didn't it make you feel good about yourself a little bit? <laughs> Don't, be, don't, don't lie. That's why y'all are on social media. Don't lie. They're like, well, it's bad, but it ain't that bad. The reality is, the reality is God's perfect, but we're not. God's perfect, but we're not. We, may, we mess up. We sin. We cause harm to ourselves, to others. And I was thinking about this idea of how many of y'all have ever been in a fender bender, like a little traffic accident? You know, you get there and you're all, what's the first thing you're trying to figure out? Whose fault was it? I mean, y'all looking around, they got a whole like, they got a whole laws and legal, you know, trying to figure out, you know, in Texas, it's a big deal. Like there's three kinds of accidents. I actually think these uh, relate really well to three types of failure. Maybe it'll help you. The first is uh, three reasons we fail is we are at fault. You know, sometimes the reason we fail is because we don't follow God at his word. We try to find fulfillment. We try to find solutions outside of God's way. And as a result, we suffer harm. The companion of fools always suffers harm. What's wisdom? Wisdom's the word of God, right? One of the names for God is omniscient, which means he's all science. He's all knowledge. A lot of people think science and, and, and God don't go together. Actually, my wife's a physician, a great scientist. And she'll tell you, man, the deeper she gets into it, the more she's like, there is intelligent design here. Like there is a creator. There's no way this stuff happens by accident. God's all knowing The wisdom he gives us is to protect us. You can build your life on the rock of God's word, but many of us don't. And as a result, what happens? We sin, we do some dumb stuff, right? We act in in self-preservation, right? And it causes us harm. The next reason that many of us fail is is other people are at fault. I mean, y'all like it when they're at fault. (laughs) It's your fault. It's your fault. Sometimes other people the decisions they make do affect us. Some, maybe somebody else's sin, maybe somebody else's failure, 
has deeply affected you. It's caused some consequences for you personally. I think sometimes, though, and we see this, uh, we see this throughout the Bible and how God achieves his will, but I think sometimes no one's at fault. You know, there's a lot of gray areas, if we're all being honest. Sometimes there's a no-fault accident. It's coming up. I believe it's power. Come on. Okay, well, moving on. So, but, but sometimes, sometimes it's no one's fault. And I think, I, think, I think we need to like take ourselves a little less seriously and take God a little more seriously. You know, I, I think sometimes we mess up. Sometimes other, it's like a road, you know. Sometimes you're just, you have all these cars on the road of, road of life. They're bumping in. Sometimes we do something we shouldn't. Sometimes they do something they shouldn't. Sometimes it just is something that happens. Today we're going to look at a man from Scripture by the name of Peter who was no stranger to every single one of these reasons for failure. There were things Peter did wrong, attitudes Peter had that weren't right, right? There were also a set of circumstances, man, a bunch of people trying to kill his Lord, a bunch of things surrounding him. But you know what? God also had a a bigger plan. There were some of those things that were happening just just to fulfill prophecy. So Peter's right in the middle of it. And I love Peter. Peter's that kind of guy, like you never have to wonder what Peter's thinking. I mean, I like those people. Yeah, you like them and you hate them. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right? If you agree with them, it's like, woo, I, I like that. I, I agree with that I'm awesome. Right? But if you're not, it's like, woo, man. God redeems Peter for his purpose. Some of the context here is Peter is the guy who in Matthew 16 declared Jesus was the Christ, only to be rebuked by Jesus moments later. He was actually called, get behind me, Satan, for trying to detour Jesus from the cross. Peter was the one that stepped out of the boat while all the other disciples were chicken. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He's daredevil. I mean, like daredevil. He's the first out of the boat, man. Stepped out in faith. We focus on the fact that he sank, but he was the only one walking on water. He believed God, man. He loved God. He loved, he's walking with Jesus. There's a, the account we're going to read today, we're going to learn three stages to failure. It's an account when he's sitting at the Last Supper and he's bragging about never leaving Jesus. Jesus, I'm, I made a decision. Like, I'm with you. I'm loyal. Peter was one of those kind of guys, Right? probably thought of himself a little too highly, but like he was loyal, you know? He's like, loyal, I'll never leave, I'll never whatever. And Jesus kind of sees it. And he doesn't see that bravado as a strength. He actually sees it as one of his greatest weaknesses. See, we see that as a strength in our world. The guy, fake it till you make it. Look good on the outside when on the inside we're rotten bones, you know? Put on a pretty face for Sunday. Even when it's hurting, don't tell nobody. Just live isolated. Man, you're going through a rough spot, I'm gonna have to skip church for a little while. That's what we do to hide ourselves, to be ashamed. That's what we do naturally. Jesus saw some of that in Peter. Peter's bragging about how good he's going to be and how he's going to be with Jesus till the end. You know, and Jesus goes, no, you're not. Tonight, you'll deny me three times. Peter's like, no, I won't. How many of y'all know Jesus is always right? (laughs) Jesus is always right. We get the tail end of that. He says he's going to deny him three times. This is the third time he denies him in Luke chapter 22, verses 60 through 61. He says, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Look at this. Immediately, immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And look what happened in this next verse. The Lord turned, and at that exact moment, their eyes locked. Likely, Jesus had already been beaten severely, been beaten severely. Their eyes lock, and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that he'd spoken to them. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. We're going to learn three stages of failure, our ability to navigate like Peter did, every one of these stages, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, allowing ourselves to hear the voice of Jesus through our circumstances is going to make all the difference in this year and every year. 
the first thing that we see here, the first stage, it's the moment. It's the moment. The moment their eyes locked. And he knew everything the Lord said was true. Everything said about him was actually true. There's a moment when we fail where we have a choice. We can own it or we can blame. It's a choice that goes back to the beginning of time, right? Lord, it was the woman you gave me. The woman said, Lord, it was a snake. We blame. And as a result, we walk in shame. There's a moment. There's a moment where you experience failure. It's a stage. The pressures of life came on Peter and he failed. During one of his biggest tests and trials, he failed. He denied Christ. Maybe you can relate to Peter. Maybe you crossed the line in a relationship. Maybe you did something wrong recently. Others suffered harm. Maybe you fell right back into an old pattern, an old rut that, had been there, that has been there most of your life. You were, maybe you were even in the wrong place at the wrong time. Here we see in this first stage of failure, see, you can't, you can't go anywhere until you know where you're starting from. You gotta know where you're at. I don't think this is something we sit and stare, but I do think it's something we acknowledge. Hey, you know what? We messed up. You know, me and my wife, we're gonna be celebrating 15 years and I'm a professional repenter at my house. And then it'll help you. The kingdom said, listen, the world says, you know, pretend, blame. It's not your fault. You're a victim. By the way, you can be a victim of the world or a son and daughter of God. The Bible teaches you can't be both at the same time. You can't be both at the same time. And there are times I'm going through and I'm sitting here going, man, am I at fault? Is she at fault? Is it circumstances? And the answer is yes. I've never been in a situation where I couldn't have taken any fault. Almost never. There was always some fault. And I had to come to this place where I'm like a professional repenter. Guys, let me help you something that will change your life, change your marriage. Honey, I'm an idiot. Please forgive me. <laughs> Honey, I'm an idiot. Will you forgive me? That's how you, by the way, that's how you seek forgiveness. Right, because the truth is we can all fall, but we have to come to that place where we recognize the moment because it sets us up for the next stage. And this is a stage we run through too fast, I think, and it's a pain. Look at what it says in verse 62. It says, so Peter went out and wept bitterly. This is interesting language. He wept bitterly. Man, isn't that true of us? We have a moment of failure and then bitterness starts to creep in. Bitterness. Bitterness at God. Many of us were bitter at God for things that happened as if we're some cosmic creator ourselves. I think sometimes we see our life as though God orbits our universe but when I read my Bible, it says God is the God of the universe, right? Yeah. We go through the pain and, we, and something happens and, here's, and then we blame other people. We blame other people. We do it. It's just natural. We just start going, you know, we're, we're bitter against people. You know, bitterness is one of those things. Listen, it'll make you sick. It'll make you sick. It's why Jesus says in Matthew 18, like, listen, before night, go and make it right. Right now, leave your gift and go. He doesn't say sleep on it. You know what happens? Many of us, we go to sleep bitter. We wake up, we're still bitter, but we don't remember why. Have you ever met those people? Like, man, you can't be grateful for nothing. (laughs) You met those people, they're bitter. That's what happened. They didn't deal with bitterness. Bitterness is a poison. Here's what bitterness does. Bitterness, I I said this uh, last service, but my my kids growing up, like uh, the, the oldest one, she doesn't do this anymore, but she used to have like a blankie. And that blankie, when it came like right out of the wash, was like, like downy fresh, you know what I'm saying? It was like really good. But then she drug it on the floor, then she kind of drooled on it. I mean, in two weeks, that thing was like, yuck. That's how our bitterness is. 
It looks real good at first. I mean, at first it's kind of warm, mm. but then it gets infected. <laughs> and then people start smelling it and they kind of distance from us, right? They distance from it, right? Then, then the germs on it gives us the flu. You know what I mean? It's, it, it makes us sick. That's what happens. It makes us sick. Many times, Peter, Peter, this is what happened. He wept bitterly. Man, sometimes we're mad at ourselves, as in the case of Peter. Man, he was so mad at himself. He just knew he was a good person. Even though the Bible's clear, even Jesus said, there's none good but God. I know I'm a good person. I'll do it, Lord. I'll show up. I'll be there when everyone else runs. But in the end, what happened? Right? He made too much of himself, focused on his weakness. Many of us allow our failure to disqualify us. I think many times in this place, this is where we use that word disqualified. To be clear, there are really two reasons. I think they're one, but there are two maybe phases of disqualification. It's number one, you call something uh, evil good. You're unrepentant, right? You, you, just, you call something evil good. You act like, oh, that's not a big deal. You go over it, right? Or you just quit. That's what the Bible says. There's nothing else that disqualifies you. We've got to walk away. We've got to learn We've got to learn to move forward through the pain. I think sometimes we pray, Lord, remove the mountain, but we've got to learn to walk through it. And I know, listen, ain't nobody amening. I get it. We want the mountain to move. That's the miracle. We're excited about that. When you study scripture, even when you study every one of the people you read about in the Bible, 99% of their life was not a miracle. But it was. David was learning how to take down a giant in a field, doing something that wasn't all that exciting doing something that wasn't all that fulfilling to him. He used that free time to learn how to throw, right? He learned that free time, right, to learn how to defend. He learned all of that stuff. And every time you walk through and you see, we make much of these moments, but we make very little of the process. Did you know failure is part of the process? Here's why, third stage. Because in all failure in Christ, there's always a purpose. We hit the purpose stage. In the next passage, Jesus, after he raises from the dead, he goes back to Peter, he appears to the 12 the night of the resurrection, right? He rebukes the men for not believing the ladies that he had risen from the dead, right? And he says, go and preach. Then two weeks later on a mountain in Galilee, he shows up. Peter's out doing what he did before. This is what happens when we let bitterness come in and rob us of our calling. We forget our, he forgot his purpose. Peter's out fishing for fish. Do you remember when Jesus called Peter and said, no, you're gonna fish for men, that came from the Messiah. You're going to fish for men. You know what he said? No, I'm going to go back to my past. I'm going to go back to what I, where I was comfortable before. I know how to fish. I'm just going to go back. Jesus meets him there very much in the same fashion that he called him. He's on the shore. Peter recognizes him and jumps out the boat, starts swimming. And this is the account. Jesus is there on the shore having made breakfast. John 21, 15 through 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second, everyone say second. second. A second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third, everyone say third. third. How many times did he deny Christ? Three. Peter's starting to get a little, I don't think he's quite seeing the redemption here yet. Third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said it to him a fourth, third time. Gets a little mouthy. Do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You're God. You can see it. You know I do. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. What was Jesus doing for Peter in this passage? Jesus was bringing Peter back to his purpose after he failed. 
You know, one of the biggest things you're going to have to learn to do with failure that you see in every one of those pseudo superheroes in the Bible is you're going to have to learn to move from why to what's next. Many of us could get stuck at why, 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 and the enemy had gotten Peter stuck in the why question. You've got to settle in your heart that you're not God, and there's some answers to that question you will not know in this life. You will not understand. The Bible promises us that one day all things will be made known. But right now, we trust. That's what the substance of faith is. We trust in God in the now, seeing him working his power in and through us. Peter forgot his purpose. Jesus is calling him back to his purpose. In the remainder of our time today, I wanna wanna just give you three really practical steps to failing forward. How do you fail forward? Like, pastor, I get it. Like, there's three, there's three kind of phases. How do you keep moving? Like, how do you keep, how do you move from phase to phase? The moment you fail, right? Then the pain of that failure, back to the purpose. How do you get there? Like, what's the, the map? I really like maps. I'm kind of a nerd. I got, we got maps all over our church. I'm like, this is exactly how it works. If it works like that, you know, it's a little more linear. Not quite as linear, but I like that. I'm going to give you a map for those of you in here that might be struggling or stuck in one of those phases. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to determine to make a change. You've got to acknowledge your sin. You've got to acknowledge that there's some things in your life that don't work. The Bible says repent. You use that word, it's real religious, sounds kind of mean. Really, it just means to change direction. It literally, in, in the army, it literally means to make an about face. You're facing this way, you turn, and you face the other. Right? It, it's just, you know what, you change your mind. Some of you, you're stuck because you're hanging on to things that don't work because they don't line up with God's word. You're building your life on a foundation that isn't him. And so you've got to learn to make a change. James 4, 6 says this, and he gives grace generously. I love this. And the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Many many of us, because we won't come to this place of repentance, God himself is opposing us. And we're wondering why our resolutions never happen year after year. It's because truthfully, many of us want change without change. I'm with you. Like I'm there, like both hands raised. Like I'm both hands and feet. I'm with you. I've been there where I'm just like, Lord, I want it my way, right? I want it my way but I want, and my outcome. <laughs> Chances are the outcome you want, you won't get your way. You only get it God's way. So we've got to learn to make a change. Now, one of the things I love about grace, grace says, you know what? You're not as bad as you think you are. There's another side of grace though that says you're not as good either. So let that keep us on the road. Keep us out of them deep ditches, you know, Louisiana. Come on, keep us on the road. The next thing we've got to do is we've got to move forward. Maybe you're just stuck grieving, dwelling on the past. Did you know that whatever you look upon the longest, you'll become full of? I see it all the time. You'll become defined by. This is why it's so important. I told our church this year, I said, you know what? I did this... (laughs) The church has been six years old. I think I started reading my Bible about four, four years ago. Uh, anyways, I made a decision four years ago to spend 15 minutes a day in the Bible, just 15 minutes, getting to know the word and the ways of God for my life. Do you know what that focus has done in my life? My problems get smaller. You know why? Because I'm more full of his word and I'm not full of my problem. What, I'm not saying you stick your head in the sand. I don't think, I don't think, you, I, you, know, I don't think you pretend it doesn't exist. But I also don't think you give it higher weight, greater weight than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords either. 
And so one of the things we're tempted to do is we're just staring down and we're just so focused on, on what it was. We just got to start moving forward. Again, we got to move from why to what's next. Romans 8, 28, look what this says. And we know that in all things, look at this. And we know that God causes everything, I'm going to say everything, everything, even the bad things, right? Even the things other people did, even the unfortunate circumstances, the things we didn't see, right? He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Are you committed to your purpose? Then you have a promise from God that no matter what happens, if you're committed to his purpose for your life, he's going to work it out for good. This next one, this is deep. You guys ready? Deep. We're going to close. Keep moving forward. I know. Move forward, then keep moving forward. You get the point? I'm so OCD, I can't handle something without three points. I'm sorry. But I think that third point begs repeating. In Christ, failure is never final. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked, shame, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. I think this is really important. I think many of us, we just tap out. That's the problem. But if we just keep moving forward, like he'll make it beautiful in his time. And you know what? His time is always better for you. His time is always better for you. You know why you're stronger? You're different. It's interesting about Peter. I'll say this and I'll close. Peter, it's, it's crazy. Same Peter, right? But on Pentecost, after Jesus raised from the dead, he finds his purpose again. He's standing in front of the same men that crucified Christ, boldly sharing the gospel. They're blown away by this guy. He was denying Christ to a little girl, right? In a courtyard, not too many days earlier. What was it? It was the same Peter, but it was a different power. There was a different power. That's the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome and to move us forward. I'm gonna close with this scripture and then we'll pray. Galatians 6, 9. The apostle Paul writes, let us not become weary in doing good. Look at this. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Why? If we don't give up. We've got to keep moving forward even when we don't feel like it. Keep moving forward even when our circumstances don't, don't, don't see it. Right? We've got to keep moving forward knowing that he who called us is faithful to his call. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, Jesus, for who you are to us. I pray right now, Father, for anybody in here that's far from you. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one looking around. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor, man, you're talking about failing forward and you're moving through and you're talking about Jesus and God a lot, but the truth is I've not really made room for God or for Christ in my life. Today, maybe you'd say, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never actually surrendered. I've tried to control everything. My life's a mess. Today, I'm gonna relinquish control of my life to Jesus. Maybe in here you're saying, you know, pastor, I've done that before. I, I've followed God, but because of circumstances, because I got stuck in a phase of failure, I'm not where I used to be. I'm disconnected from God. I'm, I'm, I'm isolated from his people. I'm alone. You say today, I wanna come back to Christ. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one looking around for just a moment. Please, unless you got something you got to do, just, just respect this moment here. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out, but I am going to pray for you. I think it's power in prayer. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to start or restart my relationship with Jesus. Would you just put your hand up halfway and put it right back down? I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Just put it up. Put it right back down. You're just saying between me, you, and God, that's what I want to do. That's where I'm at. I see you. I see you. Is there anyone else you'd say, Pastor, that's me? That's me. I want to start this year right. Anyone else? Before we change the order of service, anyone else? I see you. God, I thank you, Lord, for each and every hand raised. I pray, Father, that 
you would speak to them today. As they surrender their life to you, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would lead them and guide them in truth. I pray, Jesus, they would find family and plant in your church, God, so that they would grow and flourish. I pray, Holy Spirit, today would be the first day of a new life. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And I'm gonna recite this prayer. I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me. It's actually from the Bible. It's found in the book of Romans. I wanna encourage you if you raised your hand, whether you're starting or restarting with life with Jesus, if you raised your hand, I wanna encourage you to pray this prayer. Let it be an expression of your heart. All right, and we believe in what you're doing. We're gonna pray this together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins on the cross. I believe that on the third day, you rose from the dead to give me a new life, a new hope, and a new purpose. Today, I believe that you are God. Today, I surrender my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for making me new. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, church, let's give it up for everybody.